Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for listening in. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. It's a Friday edition. It's a big one, too, uh, because there will not be a Monday show. It's Labor Day, and we got a full slate of games on Monday, uh, day games, early lineup lock. So uh, this show is going to be largely geared towards getting you ready for next week. Uh, so uh, I will uh, get to that. But also, in addition to Labor Day coming up, and, and not coincidentally, it's trade deadline day. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's deja vu. We went through this a month ago uh, for the non-waiver trade deadline. Uh, so now we get the waiver trade deadline. And uh, already we have had uh, one big deal in the last 24 hours. We have a slightly less big deal that happened just about 5-10 minutes ago. And another one that's probably going to happen sometime between now and midnight Eastern, which is the actual deadline. So uh, let me get actually first to the slightly less big deal trade, um, which is that the Dodgers just acquired Ryan Madsen from the Nationals. And going back the other way is Andrew Isler, a uh, 25-year-old right-hander who's pitched almost exclusively in relief, uh, mostly for uh, the Dodgers A. Uh, affiliate in Tulsa this year. So uh, Isler going to the Nationals, Madsen to the Dodgers. And, uh, you know, while it's it's nothing on the uh, level of, uh, and, and here I'm just going to be a spoiler, nothing on the, the level of the Andrew McCutcheon deal, you know, not that you didn't already know about that, uh, but could, could be a fancy impact here. I mean, for one thing, in the very short term, it takes Madsen out of the uh, closer mix in Washington. Uh, but we're probably going to be seeing Sean Doolittle back there within a matter of days, probably sometime next week. So you know, you've got a whole mess of relievers, probably about you know four or five still that could get saves in the in the Nationals bullpen. So that's a situation pretty much unless there's some sort of setback with Doolittle. That's a situation you just want to avoid anyway. But then you've got uh, the Kenley Jansen situation, uh, where uh, the last time the Dodgers had a save situation, which I believe was Wednesday. You had Kenta Maeda. You've had Jansen uh, since coming back from his uh, DL stint for the, the heart uh, heartbeat, uh, irregular heartbeat issue. Uh, he's he's not had a good outing yet. Uh, he's not even had an, a, a decent okay outing yet. Uh, and now you have to wonder if maybe he's... Uh, I've not seen any reporting, so again, this is here just me speculating. But if he goes back on the DL, if they're going to let Jansen kind of work his way back into form through some lower leverage situations. So that's just a big mystery right now. And the rest of that bullpen is not really that robust. So Madsen maybe is walking into a situation where he's actually got a better chance at some saves, at least in the short term, than the situation he's leaving uh, in Washington. So that's one to certainly keep tabs on. But the big deal uh, on Thursday night was Andrew McCutcheon getting traded by the Giants to the Yankees in exchange for uh, infielder Abiatel Avalino. I'm pretty sure I just mispronounced that. Uh, and uh, Juan DePaula. So both uh, minor league prospects. Uh, uh, Avalino uh, 
between double A AA and triple A this year, 15 homers, 25 steals. So interesting prospect there for the Giants. And Paula had a 1.71 ERA at Staten Island. So that's low class A and uh, 23% strikeout rate. So despite the nice ERA, a uh, long way for the majors and, um, not you know not anybody to to even you know run out and grab in your your dynasty league so uh obviously the big deal <laughs> Andrew McCutcheon going to Yankee Stadium and he'll uh right away uh just you know plug right into that lineup there so couple of questions um you know which we can't answer definitively but a couple of questions are you know first of all what's the long term look for playing time for McCutcheon because uh at some point hopefully the Yankees get uh, Aaron Judge back, and you know even if they have Judge back, there's still probably a place for McCutcheon to play because of Didi Gregorius being out of the lineup, and they can you know move some pieces around and um, you know find find room for McCutcheon there. But if you've got both Gregorius and Judge in the lineup at some point in September, then you've got a, a, a roster squeeze, which I think probably in the worst case for McCutcheon means maybe just the occasional day off here and there in a rotation kind of situation. But I, it's hard to imagine that McCutcheon would sit more certainly than uh, Brett Gardner. I would think Brett Gardner is probably long-term the big playing time loser here for the Yankees. But again, could be a rotation where uh, Gardner loses a little bit, McCutcheon loses a little bit. Uh, maybe Aaron Hicks loses a little bit, although that's a little bit hard to to swallow. Uh, but maybe that happens. Uh, but I, I I'm not worried about McCutcheon's playing time. I think that's the worst case scenario that you know he misses a start here and there. That's the worst situation I think. Now the other question that probably a lot of us have is what's the change in value going from the Giants to the Yankees? I don't think that's a hard one to figure out. And taking park factors out of the equation here for just a minute. And we'll, we'll get back to that for sure. And again, that's going to be a pretty obvious uh, take on my part. But, um, you know, you're going to a much, much better lineup. Uh, so, you know, it's clearly an upgrade for McCutcheon, which, frankly, he needs. It's not been a great season for him. He was hitting 255 with the Giants, 15 homers. The Probably the least expected part of McCutcheon's stat line is the 13 steals with a month to go. Uh, it's not a massive stolen base renaissance for McCutcheon this year, but the last thing I expected was for him to go to a Bruce Bochy team uh, and actually see a little bit of uptick in his uh, stolen bases. So 15-13 season for McCutcheon so far. Uh, don't know that he's going to be much of a stolen base threat with the Yankees, but obviously getting back to the park factor issue, going from the worst park in the major leagues for home run power to possibly the best and certainly one of the probably three best in the major leagues for home run power uh, and going to a division where there's uh, at least a couple other good parks in Baltimore and Toronto. So uh, yeah, huge upgrade for McCutcheon all the way around here. And just to circle back on the park factor issue, this is something that got discussed a lot when McCutcheon got to, uh, when McCutcheon went to the Giants. And um, the, the general thought was this is going to be really bad for his value, bar- largely because of the park factor. And my thinking was really, first of all, that McCutcheon, I think, has enough power that he's not going to be hurt that much by park factor. And he's coming from a situation in Pittsburgh where his home park there was not great for power hitters. 
So I sort of poo-pooed all that and thought McCutcheon's great value this year. And I was just flat out wrong. <laughs> I was just flat out wrong about that. Uh, he's got the 15 homers that I mentioned, only five of those at AT&T Park. So in a better environment, he would probably have at least a handful more homers. Maybe he'd have 20 now. Maybe he'd have a little bit more than 20. So uh, he has a 44% hard contact rate. His average fly ball distance is 324 feet, which is not a leap by any means, but it's good. It's Those two marks together show you that McCutcheon's not really lost a step as a, as a power hitter. He was just in a bad park. So my bad. <laughs> but for the last month of the season, that should get corrected. So, yeah, big, big upgrade for Andrew McCutcheon right now. And I'm not sure that there's much you can do about it. Certainly the McCutcheon owner right now is not going to trade him, I don't think. Uh, and he's not going to be out there on waivers. But uh, you know, if you're the, the McCutcheon owner, uh, you have to be super, super happy right now. All right, so uh, that's the big trade that was made. And again, the, the smaller trade uh, was Ryan Madsen. And then a third trade appears to be imminent. Josh Donaldson has cleared waivers. And according to John Morosi of uh, MLB Network, uh, the Cardinals are now in the picture as a suitor for, uh, for Donaldson. So that, that, you know, given the injuries there to uh, Colton Wong and Jed Jerko, that just makes a whole world of sense. Uh, so you know, look out for, uh, you know, maybe a move by the Cardinals there. Also, uh, from Chris Cotillo of MassLive.com, he mentioned that the Indians are still in the picture, which I'll say for probably like the fifth time in the last week and a half makes no sense to me because I don't know where he plays, but uh, that's part of Cotillo's reporting. And for the first time, I'd actually seen reported, but I've talked about it on the show a couple of times lately. The Braves are, in, in Cotillo's words, kicking the tires. Which always makes me cringe when I see that because I just I, I imagine somebody literally kicking the feet or the shins of the player and and you know especially with a, a player who's been hurt like Josh Donaldson that's just not a good idea. But uh, anyway, taking my my literal interpretation of that uh, aside, uh, that would be a nice fit uh, if that does happen that Josh Donaldson goes to the Braves. Then the obvious player who's impacted there is Johan Camargo. And I just listened to Twitter questions today because I'm not going to be on these airwaves again until Wednesday. So uh, I wanted to be absolutely sure to give you a chance to come through questions. And I got a few few questions and, and good ones. And one of them involved Johan Camargo. So we're going to come back to that question uh, a little bit later on in the show. Well, I keep one eye on Twitter to see if a trade actually happens while I'm uh, doing this podcast. All right, uh, on to some other news here. Shohei Otani is scheduled to come back as a, a part of the rotation for the Angels this weekend. So that is very exciting. Uh, he is scheduled to start Sunday at the Astros. Uh, so, of course, he has been DHing for the Angels and, and doing well offensively lately. And uh, for the first time, uh, you know, since he had would excuse me had been shut down due to the elbow issue, um, the UCL issue. Otani's going to make a start. So this is really, really exciting. And, and the thing is, it's on Sunday. So if you're in a weekly league, too late to do anything about that. But you get to sit back and see how he does and think about whether or not you want to start him against the White Sox next week. So you got a nice matchup there. Uh, also, some Angels rotation news. Uh, according to Jeff Fletcher of the Orange County Register, 
Uh, Matt Shoemaker is probably going to make his return to the rotation. He's only made one start all year. Uh, and he could start as soon as Monday at Texas. And if he makes that start on Monday, then that's probably going to be a two-start week for Matt Shoemaker. So he gets at Texas at uh, the White Sox. So that that would be pretty risky to put something on the line in the last month of the fantasy season and start a two-start Matt Shoemaker. But uh, you know, in, in a deeper league, if he's still out there, I don't know. Dep- you know basically, it's, it's a situation if we're... You need to, you know, throw the hail mary. It's kind of an interesting, interesting move that might really pay off. Uh, but obviously, if you're in a tight race and you can't afford to take chances, I would not recommend that move. Uh, let's see, Eddie Rosario. He uh, left his game on Thursday with the Twins due to a right quad strain, and he is day to day. Eugenio Suarez didn't even make it into the Reds game on Thursday. Uh, he was scratched with a mid back spasm. So Rosario and Suarez, a couple players that we got to check in on uh, before setting daily lineups and see if they're uh, good to go today or tonight, I should say. And uh, from John Heyman, uh, interesting piece here on Eloy uh, Jimenez and, and particularly his two agents uh, who are getting signals that they, they think that Jimenez, contrary to a lot of the reports that I've cited on the show in recent weeks, they think that Jimenez is not getting called up in September and have not ruled out possibly filing a grievance uh, because they suspect that uh, this is a, a service time issue with Jimenez. So that would be a major, major bummer, not only for Jimenez and for his agents, but for us as fantasy owners. Uh, I've certainly been looking forward to uh, seeing Jimenez this year. I thought he was going to be up by now. There was that comment from Chris Getz, the director of player development for the White Sox, on a radio show two, three weeks back where he said that Jimenez was not far off. So maybe he was not on board and, and in line with the rest of the organization. I don't know, but uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll hear more about this in the next couple of days for sure. Uh, so yeah, that was a report from John Heyman. Uh, Jose Iglesias was placed on the 10-day disabled list on Thursday with a lower abdominal strain, and so the Tigers called up uh, an infield prospect, Dawel Lugo, who had 12 stolen bases with AAA Toledo. Not a whole lot of power. Uh, hit for some power back when he was in the California League, uh, but um, uh, looks like more of a stolen base threat now than anything, but with Iglesias out, should, should get some playing time, and he made his debut on Thursday and did not get a hit. Uh, Steven Duggar, uh, who sustained a, a labrum tear, he has not ruled out rehabbing as an option, uh, but he may also have surgery. And Bruce Bochy told uh, Alex Pavlovic of NBC Sports Bay Area that if Duggar has uh, the shoulder surgery, that he will be ready for the start of 2019. And that's just to be clear, Duggar will be ready for the start of 2019. I'm sure Bochy will too. All right, the Brewers, uh, according to Ken Rosenthal, the Athletic, uh, are still active exploring some trade options. And one name that Rosenthal mentioned was Curtis Granderson, who at one point was rumored maybe to be going to the Phillies. And, of course, they filled their their bench bat need uh, first with Justin Bohr and then more recently with Jose Bautista. Uh, now Granderson possibly going to the Brewers. Uh, David Wright is going to join the Mets uh, in San Francisco to continue his rehab. Uh, so he will stay on the DL, uh, but he is going to be with the team. And on Thursday, 
Very good news for Drew Smiley. Made his first pitching appearance in a game since coming back uh, or working his way back from Tommy John's surgery uh, down with uh, Class A South Bend, pitched an inning and struck out the side. So really great news there for uh, Drew Smiley, who could possibly be up with the Cubs, and I would have to assume as a reliever, uh, sometime in September. So that would be very, very cool to see. Uh, and sticking with some uh, Cubs bullpen news, Brandon Morrow continues to throw from flat ground, but according to the Chicago Tribune, he will not be back until uh, the latter half of September at the earliest. So uh, Morrow in the short term, but good news for Pedro Strope, um, who's been you know just fine as the fill-in closer there for the Cubs. So uh, sticking with the bullpen theme here, uh, Dylan Batanzas got the save uh, opportunity on Thursday uh, against the Tigers, but blew it. And that was after just a long, long stretch of being absolutely dominant. Gave up uh, back-to-back home runs to Victor Martinez and uh, Nico Gudrum. The Gudrum home run was the go-ahead uh, run for the Tigers. And then uh, Shane Green came in, and he did get the save for the Tigers. So um, I, I wrote a bit about both of uh, both Green and Batances in the Rotographs bullpen report, uh, but the upshot there is that I, I would expect that Batances probably will continue, as has been the case since Araldus Chapman went on the DL. He'll continue probably get the bulk of the save opportunities, but but certainly not all of them. Uh, with David Robertson and Zach Britton uh, probably getting some opportunities as well. Shangri may have gotten the save on Thursday, but not getting many swings and misses at all uh, over the last uh, month plus. Uh, so that always worries me with the closer. Uh, and getting a lot of uh, hard contact as well. So if you're a Shane Green owner, just stick that info in your, your back pocket. Uh, it was Brad Hand getting the save on Thursday for the Indians. Uh, Cody Allen coming in in the, uh, the middle of the eighth inning. So, uh, you know, the, now the pendulum has swung there the other way. But uh, Allen has had a pretty dreadful month. And while uh, Han did give up a home run on Thursday night, uh, he has generally been pretty solid. So uh, if you've got uh, some sort of uh, fantasy uh, connection with either Allen or Hand, uh, definitely the momentum is, is in Brad Hand's direction. And interesting thing with the Diamondbacks bullpen, uh, Brad Boxberger for the second night in a row getting a save, but also for the second night in a row not starting the ninth inning. Uh, but um, instead, it's been Andrew Chafin, the lefty specialist, coming in, getting it out against a lefty on Wednesday. It was Brandon Crawford, and then Thursday night it was Cody Bellinger. Cody Bellinger. And could you tell I almost just said Clay Bellinger, even though Cody Bellinger's been up for two years? <laughs> so that's an interesting pattern. And uh wrote about that situation as well. And one of the commenters, may, may, and I apologize to the commenter that I'm not remembering uh, who it was, but made a really good point that maybe that situation gets flipped where if there's a righty or two starting the inning and you get Boxberger in there and maybe... Maybe actually see Chafin get some saves getting one or two outs against lefties. That's interesting to consider. Uh, but I, I do think on balance, it's probably a good thing for Boxberger because he's not very good against lefties. He is, however, pretty much of a shutdown reliever against righties. So just an interesting move there uh, by Tori Lavolo and the Diamondbacks. So uh, something to keep keep an eye on. Uh, well, we've got some weather forecasts you should be aware of if you're about to... 
uh, finalize your, uh, your your daily lineups for, for this Friday. Uh, I also um, just taking a quick look here at Twitter. I don't see any trade news, so I'll move on uh, to the weather. And just a couple of games on the East Coast. Nationals hosting the Brewers and uh, Tanner Roark uh, in that one. It's actually Roark and Shasin. So kind of a couple of uh, interesting potential streamers. Uh, but you got to be cautious with this one. It's a 38% chance of precipitation. It's uh, game time that's 7 to 5 Eastern. And not really going down much after that. So uh, if you're starting any Brewers or Nationals, or you were excited about uh, a resurgent Tanner Roark, you might not get to enjoy that one. So uh, one other game that also does not look like a, necessarily a great situation, Cubs and Phillies at Citizens Bank Park. And schedule starters in that one. What happened? There it is. Jose Quintana and Nick Pavetta. And that's a a 47% chance of precipitation for first pitch. And again, not really abating much after that. Uh, Other than that, all the other games look pretty good. A little bit of a chance of rain in St. Louis, but doesn't look like much. So I think you're you're pretty good, much good to go with all those other games. So uh, in Philly and Washington, though, definitely check on those before, uh, before first pitch. Okay, so uh, as I said earlier, I did solicit some Twitter questions, and I'm going to answer them, or at least do my best. And it's kind of funny, because the first two I'm going to read actually involve two of the same players. Very strange coincidence, I think. Uh, so this first one from at Spin, Spin Master Vin. Paxton comes back on Saturday, needs to make room, considering dropping Freddie Peralta, who was just uh, demoted, although temporarily, at least that's a plan, temporary demotion to AAA uh, by the Brewers. Uh, so Freddie Peralta or Sean Newcomb. And Spinmaster Vin here says, Newcomb seems to have hit the wall. What are my thoughts? And thanks. Uh, Vin, you're welcome. And, you know, actually that demotion, which is kind of a procedural thing, for me is actually sort of a tiebreaker here. Because I don't really trust Peralta... Uh, or Newcomb very much at this point. I absolutely agree that it seems like Newcomb has kind of been at the wall for about a month or so. Uh, but Peralta, very unpredictable. I mean, either he's great or it's it's miserable. And I would say all things being equal, I would keep Peralta and drop Newcomb, but all things aren't equal because Zach Davies is coming back on Monday for the Brewers. So when Peralta comes back, then you're either looking at uh, a six-man rotation, or maybe he doesn't come back as a starter. I don't know. I, I just don't know. And that uncertainty makes me want to drop Freddie Peralta. I just, you know, I, again, I don't trust either one much. I like Peralta's upside a lot better, but I just think that your chances of actually getting something useful are going to be greater with Sean Newcomb. So tough call, but because I'm not sure what Peralta's role is going to be in September, I would drop them, given given those choices. And then at Henry Howard asks a keeper question involving, guess who? Freddie Peralta and Sean Newcomb and also Luis Castillo. Uh, so Henry asks, how do I rate these starting pitchers in terms of 10-team Roto Dynasty League value? Peralta, Newcomb, Castillo, have they each shown enough to be kept? Uh, you know what? I apologize, uh, Henry, because I should have... I should have tweeted you back and asked you about your your keeper rules, how many keepers, because that's that's 
kind of going to be a determining factor here, but uh, since I'll operate in the, the proverbial vacuum, uh, 10-team Dynasty League, I would say definitely yes, no question for Luis Castillo, uh, even though uh, you know it's been an up-and-down season for him. We've seen what the, the upside is, and he just seems like the sort of pitcher at this point who... Uh, you know, he's young enough that he could come back next year or even the year after and possibly be uh, a fantasy ace. So I would not want to throw him back in the pool. I'm just not that big on Sean Newcomb, and I feel like I'm in a minority or on an island with this one. But I would say, you know, if you're there's a fairly limited number of keepers, if it's unlimited keepers, then I think each of them is probably worth keeping around. But if you've got a limit, like maybe 10 or a dozen in a 10-team league, I don't think they've done enough to cut it. So I would say borderline at best. But again, if it's unlimited keepers, then I, I think each one is, is worth a shot. So I would just say, Henry, if this is not a sufficient answer, tweet me back uh, with some more details about how many keepers you, you get to keep and maybe for how long and that kind of thing, and, and maybe I can give you a better answer. All right, uh, at Joseph S8505-4889. Uh, or I'll just call him Joseph. Please rank Camargo, Andrews, and Chris Taylor for shortstop in category league. So I did promise earlier I would get to a Johan Camargo question, uh, and I'm also going to assume here this is rest of season. And this will rely somewhat on whether or not the Braves get Josh Donaldson. Absolutely will. Uh, because I would say if they don't, I actually like Camargo the best out of the three. Taylor hasn't done much in the in the past month or so. Uh, Andrus just has not been himself. Um, so... You know, given that this is crunch time, if it were early in the year, I'd say, well, let's let's give let's give Andrews a chance because he's clearly got the most upside of the group, the best track record. Um, but you know, he he did he was doing all right in July, but not certainly on the level that he was doing last year, and then uh, has really kind of uh, fallen off in in August. So I don't really trust Andrews going forward. And again, Taylor has kind of tailed off as well. So. I like Camargo the best. If Camargo gets, uh, or actually, not Camargo's great. If Josh Donaldson gets traded to the Braves by the end of uh, the day here on Friday, then I think I do elevate Andrews uh, to the top of that list because I'm not sure about playing time for Camargo. So, anyways, hope that is helpful. <laughs> and then uh, a couple more questions that are not really questions, but uh, worth reading. Uh, this from at Birds and Gators. Uh, can Will Myers make it through August without getting even one RBI? Tune in tonight. So let's see who the Padres have again. Uh, because, yeah, no RBIs in the month of August. Um, and I want to say Myers has something like 62 or 63 plate appearances. So it's not, you know, a, a, a trivial amount of, of playing time. And uh, why can't I find the Padres here? So, yeah. Uh, yeah, seems like uh, that could that could happen. Seems like that could happen for uh, for Will Myers, uh, which would be most unfortunate. I think the Padres, oddly enough, might have a not have a Friday night game. Uh, let me just that can't be. So no, they've got the Rockies. Antonio Sensatella. Well, good luck. I don't want to see you go a whole month without. Uh, 
without an RBI. That would be that would be horrible. But uh, and that one's at Petco Park. Yeah, Sensatella is the starter for the Rockies. So I'll be rooting, not just because I've got him started this week, but I'll be rooting for uh, Will Myers just to avoid the uh, RBI offer for uh, for August. And then finally, uh, a uh, somebody, an analyst who's been on the show many, many times, Jim Finch, uh, says, I think you need to do a baseball, barbecue, and beer show, plus shots every time a guest uh, says one of five randomly selected keywords. Let's make it happen. Uh, I can't. There's no, there's not going to be a uh, Labor Day show. And, and you can't do that show if it's not Labor Day, Jim. But uh, uh, it, it, I, I would have a fun time selecting the, the, the words or the phrases. And since I just recently said uh, working in the proverbial vacuum, I think that would have to be one of them for sure. Uh, so uh, <laughs> thanks for the suggestion, Jim. Uh, and uh, yeah, so that's it for, for uh, Twitter questions. So thank you very, very much for those questions. And I'm going to, speaking of Twitter, just do another quick search here to see if there's any news. And I do not see any. Uh, although, all right, here's something that's not trade-related. Well, it's trade-related by uh, sort of, you know, collaterally, it's it's trade-related. Giants are calling up uh, Chris Shaw, who I would expect would uh, get a lot of playing time in the outfield there. So, um Triple A Sacramento, he's hit uh, 259 with a 505 uh, slugging, 24 home runs. So, uh, yeah, something to look for in in, uh, in some deeper leagues there. Chris Shaw. So there you go. Okay, well, uh, let's uh, take a look at the two-star pitchers for the coming week. There are some options I like here. I think I might have mentioned on Wednesday's show, the, the one that I'm really zeroed in on, and I did pick him up recently in midweek uh, midweek waivers uh, in a 12-team mixed league, is Jake Junis, who seems to have uh, tamed the home run problem. Uh, great strikeout-to-walk ratio for him. He's got a couple of road starts, Indians and Twins. I don't love uh, seeing the Indians as a matchup, but because it's a two-start week, I can certainly live with it a lot better. And I think I would take Jake Junis in, in almost any two-start week, probably save like Yankees, Red Sox, or something like that. So if you can get Junis still, and and among the probably about dozen or so pitchers I'm going to talk about here, he's actually one of the more available ones. So I would make that stop number one on uh, on the waiver wire. And Joey Lucchese, too. Don't really like him that much in one-start weeks because he typically doesn't go six innings. But again, if you double him up, uh, a chance at one or two wins there and, and certainly uh, a lot of strikeout potential with two starts. He gets the Diamondbacks and the Reds on the road. So if you can't get Junis, then I, I certainly see if you can get Joe Lucchese. You're probably in most leagues not going to be able to pick up CC Sabathia, but if you can, there's another target. And if you're an owner, get him, get him active because uh, he's got two starts at Oakland at Seattle. And Sabathia has been really good lately. Mike Montgomery's going to uh, come back for the Cubs. And uh, as of right now, he looks like he's going to have a two-start week at Milwaukee, at Washington. This is where, if you noticed, each of the four pitchers I mentioned so far, all road starts. Nobody's playing at home this week. Uh, so Montgomery at Milwaukee, at Washington. I like that. Uh, and those are pretty much those are the four I really like. And then the rest of these are either just avoid or I'm kind of on the fence, maybe take a shot in a deeper league kind of situation. 
Uh, Trevor Cahill, of course, you're not going to be able to pick him up in a deeper league, but because he starts the week off against the Yankees and he's coming off of a couple of bad starts, I would avoid Trevor Cahill if I could. He does finish up with the Rangers, but string off with the Yankees, don't like it. The aforementioned Sean Newcomb versus Boston, similar situation there. And, and I, I, you know, between the two, I'd rather start Cahill. Uh, but Newcomb certainly doesn't help his case to start off at home. There's somebody pitching at home. At home against the Red Sox and then on the road at Arizona. I would avoid him if possible. Vince Velasquez is a little bit more interesting. He's not been bad, but he's not been going deep into starts. And he's got starts off with the Marlins. And he starts off with them in Miami and then a second start at the Mets. That's not bad. So as far as um, a plan B goes, uh, not not a bad one, but but risky, but risky. And I'd say same thing about Ronaldo Lopez starts at home against the Tigers and then also the Angels. So I do like those matchups, particularly the Tigers. But you know, very inconsistent. Uh, there's nothing in the skill set there for Lopez that just you know stands out. It's like like Joey Lucchese, like he might give up uh, some home runs, but he's going to get you the strikeouts in a two start week. I'm not exactly sure what you're going to get from Ronaldo Lopez in a two start week, but with the strikeouts of Tigers again. That makes him sort of borderline. I'd rather go with Vince Velasquez, but he's he's in the picture. Uh, Trevor Williams, couple of home starts, so that's always a good thing for any Pirates pitcher, versus Cincinnati versus Miami. So not bad matchups at all. Uh, a nice venue for Trevor Williams. And he's got a 0.84 ERA in the second half, which is really crazy. Every time I see that, it's I sort of do a double take. Uh, and a little bit of trivia here. He and Mike Fires are the only pitchers, as we head now into the final day of August, the only pitchers that have a 100% strand rate since the All-Star break. So neither Williams nor Fires uh, has allowed a runner on base. So this excludes home runs, of course, but has never allowed a runner that was on base, uh, not, not allowed them to score. They have stranded every single base runner that they've had for a month and a half. That's pretty wild. Uh, so yeah, kind of a borderline case. There are not a lot of strikeouts for Williams, but again, in a two-start week, that means less. The the, the matchups don't scare me. Uh, he certainly is due for some regression, but maybe it waits another week. Jeffrey Rodriguez, uh, as of right now, lines up for home starts against the Cardinals and the Cubs. I don't love the matchups. He is due for some Babbitt progression, so I would avoid him even though uh, he's widely available. And then we've got a couple of Reds that look like they are due, uh, as of the schedule right now, they are due for a couple of starts, Matt Harvey and Cody Reed. And Cody Reed just made his return to the rotation on Thursday. And it was it was okay. Um, you know, certainly nothing that was so great that it would, you know, make you really excited about him. As a as a two star pitcher, but uh, against the Brewers, uh, one run in four and two thirds innings, four hits, three walks, uh, three strikeouts. That that's not bad. Uh, and just to take a a brief detour here, Wade Miley in that game, one run over seven and a third with six strikeouts. That he's you know before he was looking fluky, he's starting to look a little bit legit, Wade Miley. But because of the return of Zach Davies, uh, it's going to be Davies that lines up to be the two star pitcher, not Wade Miley. So. Uh, anyways, going to come back from the detour there. 
Uh, so uh, Matt Harvey and Cody Reed, not too interested in either one, um, have put in some bids for Reed in some deeper leagues just to kind of see where that goes. And the matchups aren't bad at Pittsburgh and then at home versus the Padres for both Matt Harvey and Cody Reed. And then finally, uh, just to come back to Zach Davies, again, he does appear to, well, he will line up for two starts, uh, both home starts, Cubs and Giants. So that Giants start isn't bad. But uh, Davies was not very good before going on the DL. Maybe now that he's back and, and healthier, uh, maybe it'll be great. But I kind of put that in the Matt Shoemaker category of if either one of those pitchers is available in a, in a deeper league, then, um, you know, that it's not a bad sort of desperation move. Just throwing two starts for somebody who might be really good, but could be a disaster. Um, so, uh, I would sort of lump them in together. Although, uh, given a choice between the two, I would much rather have Matt Shoemaker who has proven himself to have some, some strikeout potential, whereas that chance, the chance for that are much less so with, uh, Zach Davies. And again, he's, he starts off the week with the Cubs. So similar situations, but definitely a much less favorable outlook, uh, for Zach Davies than, than for Matt Shoemaker. So anyhow, uh, let me just take one last look to see if I can leave you with any late-breaking news here. Uh, I suspect it won't be, and so you'll just be—you'll uh, have to check Twitter, uh, you know, all night long. Just hit refresh, see where, <laughs> see where Josh Donaldson ends up. I am—you uh, can tell—I'm obviously uh, really uh, eager to find that out. But uh, no, we do not have any other trade news. So on that note, I'm going to wrap this up. And uh, wish you the best for uh, for the coming week. Uh, you can still, of course, uh, tweet questions to me, even though I will not have a show on Monday. I will be on Twitter, probably still refreshing, looking for that uh, Josh Donaldson news. So while I'm doing that, I can answer your uh, your trade questions, your lineup questions, uh, whatever you have, your, your keeper questions even. Uh, I'll milk your BB uh, on Twitter. So with that in mind... Hope you all have a great weekend and wish you best of luck in setting lineups for Monday and have a great, great Labor Day. Have lots of fun. Watch lots of baseball. I will be back on Wednesday. So until then, everybody, have fun and take care.